All right, real quick, people, before we get into today's show, we've just released a new course, Periodization for Periods, all around how to train women around their monthly cycle, and we've got it on special. If you're interested, click the link in the show notes. You are now listening to the Fitness Education Online Podcast, the podcast where fitness professionals go to grow their fitness business. If you're in the fitness industry, you'll find tips and strategies from proven business experts. Now, let's start the show. G'day guys, Travis here from Fitness Education Online, and welcome to another episode of Bro Science, where we're sorting fact from fiction in the fitness industry. Uh, Super excited for today's podcast. Uh, We're going to be diving into mindset, placebo, uh, the power of what you can do with your mind to get things done. First things first, I'm going to throw over to my co-host here today, my brother, Craig. Thank you for joining us again. Thank you, Travis. Very excited to be back and always excited when we have a guest because it means that uh, I get to do less research and uh, hand over to people who actually know what they're talking about. So, Craig, do you want to introduce our guest today? So, today we're lucky enough to have, uh, it's actually our first female guest to the Bro Science podcast. We only say that because we had a bit of blowback when we when we introduced the name and and then and then coincidentally we've had lots of male guests. So it's not that sort of show. That's not the reason for the bro science. We're here just to chat some facts and figures around different parts of the fitness industry. And today we're going to dive into the importance of the mind. And uh, it's something I'm very passionate about. And I've got an old friend who I've known for almost 20 years now, which is a bit scary. Uh, Ash was a, a colleague, so Ash King is a provisional psychologist. We'll get her to give a bit more of an introduction. Um, we went to uh, neighbouring high schools, and so we were we were old high school friends, uh, and we've sort of kept in touch over the years, and and ended up uh, walking down the both walking down the health uh, health path. Um, and so she, she's uh, Ash King's here to tell us all about uh, the importance of positive psychology and the power the mind can have over the body. So I'll flick over to you, Ash, and you can say hello to the Bro Science audience. Cheers, Craig, and thanks so much for having me. It's um, it's a delight, and I'm excited to to get into some cool topics today. Interestingly enough, you know, thinking back to when you and I were finishing off high school, Craig, and you know, you had it dialed in that you wanted to do medicine, you wanted to be a doctor, and I was anything but on the path to becoming a psychologist. You know, I've been all over the shop since then, um, working in film and TV. I worked in the live music industry or worked in radio and basically had a bit of a dark night of the soul moment where I lost all my work, had to move back home with my parents, had no idea who I was or what I wanted to do with my life and ended up finding a couple of psychology books at the bookstore that I ended up working at part-time just to try and make some money. And, wow, I was like, I think this is where I need to go. So ended up going the, back. The bookstore, is that showing Is that showing your age? <laughs> look, do they still exist? <laughs> they do. You know, look, it's one of my favourite places on planet Earth. I'll, I'll take me to a bookstore, take me to a library, I'll be happy. But, um, yeah, just, I guess, f- falling into the psychology section there and took me on the path to going back to study, getting my degree, getting my honours. I'm currently now studying a PhD um, at the University of Sydney uh, uh, with the Cyber Psychology Research Group. And I'm actually exploring social media, mental health and well-being and ways that we can get online um, and not hate ourselves in our our life. (laughs) That's a a huge topic right there as well. That's that's something we we'll see if we can dive into some of that today or at a later time as well because that's a that is a really great topic actually the the whole the whole concept around social media and the whole concept around 
like what has changed psychologically with it as well. And I'm sure you probably read is Jonathan Haidt. Um, he's one of my fave writers, yeah, yeah. and psychologists. Yeah, because he did that work. Coddling of the American Mind was all around, like he had a, like a bunch of that was around social media and stuff like that. Um, yeah, really, really interesting topic. His, his writing in The Happiness Hypothesis is awesome about, you know, the things that we are holding on to at the moment that aren't really nourishing for our mental health. And, you know, he gets a little bit hype when it comes to social media and the damage that it can do. The research actually paints a far more complicated picture. Um, however, he makes some really strong points. And I think that there is a way that we can at least teach young people in particular healthier ways of, of using and engaging with social media. Yeah, wow. So are, I think are we still yeah. considered part of those young people? What's the what's the cutoff? <laughs> <laughs> We're done now, Craig. We're ruined. I think we only just had MySpace, so I think that we have been saved. You know the the corruption. I think um you know a lot of the research is in adolescence, I guess, in preteens, and how you know when you're kind of trying to find your sense of self and uh, work out your identity, how you want to be perceived by others. It's kind of when it seems a little bit of a, a rocky road to be passing. So through. I, I yeah. wasn't overly negatively influenced by playing Snake on the old Nokia. That didn't 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 quite ruin me. No, you don't think you've must got been, any must have been any visual <laughs> issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, chasing that little apple around those little square screens with the uh, with the uh, twelve digit uh, twelve uh, twelve button keypads. Showing our age, showing our age. So today, I um, and, and one of the reasons where we've got you on here today, Ash, is is one of the things that um, we've actually touched on on a couple of our previous podcasts. I guess most specifically, I think our peace and love podcast, we we delved into the power of the mind, and we've had a few times we've mentioned it, and it's this whole concept of placebo and this whole concept of how the connection between our mind and body uh, isn't isn't just a, you know, a bit of a wishy-washy thing that we don't, don't pay attention to, at least in the sports medicine field, we're starting to understand it's really important. So um, just for a quick recap, when we're talking peace and love, that was about how we can help people recover from injuries. And it's an acronym and the O in love was for optimism. And I know Travis, uh, Travis pointed out that that was a really interesting one to delve into. And hopefully today we can have a bit of a chat about it. So what have we got? Like how, when it comes to mindset and optimism, like how powerful is that into getting things done or feeling better or all of those sort of things? Yeah, look, optimism is really, I guess, an interesting mindset to open with, um, particularly when you're in sort of my side of things and, you know, working with people who have anxiety and sort of depression issues. The word optimism sounds like something a bit rude to thrust upon someone or like invite into their lives. Um, However, you know, the research shows that mindset has a huge impact on not only our mental well-being, but also our physical well-being. And in terms of how we can, I guess, sort of twist things to to sort of look on the bright side or sort of see the silver linings, I always was super sceptical about that sort of thing. Like I was, I never wanted to be the sort of person who was just like Pollyanna, you know, put on a smile, pretend that everything's okay. Um but actually, it turns out that, you know, you don't necessarily need to be bullshitting yourself when you're talking about, you know, looking for the bright side of things or, or um, trying to focus on potential positive outcomes. It's really, it really shows that when we do do that, we open up ourselves to more positive outcomes, to notice more positive opportunities and to just live a more happier and connected life. 
So is it a, is it a fact of when you when you have that positive mindset or when you have that that outlook, you're when something good comes along, you're more likely to notice it or you're more likely to see it or be able to act on it as opposed to if you sort of that glass half empty, you know, the, the good thing comes along that just passes you by and you're because you're too busy focused on the the issue that's right here in front of your feet. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. You're speaking to a study that they actually did, which is one of my favourites, where they, um, I think, I think they planted like a winning lottery ticket on the floor, um, where a bunch of these people were going to be walking past, and their participants, they put them into two groups: the optimists, or the people who sort of saw life as rosy, like the glass is half full, that type of thing, and the other half they categorised as the pessimists, you know, the ones who have a bit more of a um, you know, a darker mindset, things aren't great, the world's pretty shit. And then they counted how many of the participants found the lottery ticket um, that they walked past on their route. So they all were walking the same way. They all had the same opportunity to reach down and pick it up. Um, And I don't know the exact figures, but I do know that a lot more of the people in the optimism group actually found that lottery ticket versus the pessimists. So it does turn out that kind of what your paying attention to is more likely to, I guess, manifest. I don't use that scary word around doctors, mm. but, you know, like it's more, you're more likely to be open to receiving it in your, in your life and experiences. Around doctor. Uh, yeah. singular. I, I, I am not a doctor. <laughs> yeah. No plural. Around here. the bros. Around, around <laughs> the bros, all right. Manifest might be a bit of a sparkly word. So <laughs> what is the secret? Is this the secret? Is that what we're getting into? <laughs> so that was a, that's been about a decade, right? When was that? Okay, sorry. The secret. Look, Craig, you've like you've found one of my my pressure points here. This is, I think, one of the things that makes people a little reluctant to understand why things like um, so positive self talk, um, affirmations, as they're also known as uh, things like gratitude practice. I think that it takes all of half a breath to jump from that to I'm going to imagine myself driving, you know, a, a Lamborghini and in a month's time, I better be driving that goddamn Lamborghini or else, you know, they're actually not quite, not the same thing. <laughs> really? <laughs> as I'm sure that you are aware. However, I think a lot of people just think that when you start talking like that, that's what you mean. And so they kind of just write, write it all off, which is such a shame because there's so much power um, when it comes to, you know, taking more positive outlooks, being grateful for what you've got in your life, etc. Just as a crazy anecdote, just on like the secret or stuff like that, my wife uh, does these vision boards things, right? So it's like stuff she wants to achieve and she, you know, cuts it all out and do all, all this sort of fun stuff. She did one, uh, she, she's gone through a few of them and they sort of last for about three years to five years. She did one when she, she's not from Australia, but she did one when she first moved to Australia, cut out there, had all these different things, had a house, like put on there a house. And coincidentally, when she's gone back to look at this 10 years later, the, the cutout has a, is a house in Sylvania which is where we currently live, um, you know, she wouldn't even have known where Sylvania was. Like, admittedly, she probably got it from the leader or somewhere like that. So it is covering, you know, like our local area. But, you know, in some of this stuff, and she's got, you know, we're in the office and she's got one up there. I was looking at it the other day and it's a lot of stuff in there that she manages to tick off like her list of things to do. She loves it. She loves a checklist. And the, I think... Yes, the mindset side of things can get thrown around a bit willy-nilly and can sound a bit airy-fairy, but I do think there's an element of, for some people, having that 
visual or having that thing to work towards is a really powerful tool. Yeah, no, I've got a vision board right behind me right now. <laughs> I do them because, again, they can act like rudders. You can pay attention to them and go, what direction do I want to be moving? If these are the things that I want to bring into my life, what do I need to be doing on a daily basis? So sometimes it just gives you a constant visual reference that you can check in with um, to keep you on track for your goals. Let's take a quick break. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. Yeah, uh, goal setting. So it's all how you phrase it, right? And 100%, as you said before, like there's the secret and then there's like, you know, putting putting down what you're interested in on paper. Yeah. So I, I have a I have a list of goals on my wall. Uh, it's not, I don't call it a vision board, <laughs> but, you know, I've got a few things ticked off. I've got a few things that probably need to be scrapped and amended, but it is so important to be able to... Um, have an idea of what direction you're going. Otherwise, uh, you know, how else are you going to make progress? Um, I wanted to, I guess I wanted to move into talking a little bit about um, the, the health side of things. And I guess like the, the, the fitness, wellness, injury recover, recovery side of things. And, and we're talking all about mindset and the importance of positivity and optimism. And I guess, you know, in the medical field, we have a, we have a, a term about that that often gets, you know, put to the side. We, 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 we have this really powerful effect that we know we can elucidate in people in the way they recover, the way they uh, turn, turn things around and, and manage in, in a whole multitude of different uh, scenarios. And it's called the placebo effect. And it's, it's really interesting because historically, you would study a treatment, you'd study a medication and what they would do. So a, a conventional scientific trial. So ideally, you try to eliminate all bias and you try to uh, identify any confounding factors and remove them so you can compare your treatment with with nothing. But but unfortunately, they know that um, the perception of getting treatment has some has some differential outcome. So that's why they introduced this this placebo concept. And so it's the idea of if we put two people in the same conditions and the only difference, the only possible difference, is the active ingredient or the active treatment. And that's that's what we mean by testing against placebo. And in modern medicine, historically. When something's described as no better, no better than placebo, that equals does not work. And, and I guess talking from my own experience, I, I had a bit of a, a run-in with one of my professors around this because I guess one of the ones looking back to um, that I did in my studies was talking about uh, some chronic pain. So I think it was either low back pain or chronic knee pain. And there was a big study review that came out and said um, paracetamol does not work for low back pain. Um, and, the, and I, had a, I had a dive through the study and, and the study sort of said, uh, paracetamol is no better than placebo for back pain. And so the, the professor then said, we shouldn't be giving paracetamol to people with chronic low back pain. And I was like, but, but they're, they're getting, you know, the, the study actually said there's a, a, a I'm, I'm just, I haven't got the numbers in front of me, but there's an 11% improval in symptom scores from taking paracetamol. But that's the same for placebo. But I was like, but I, but I sort of said to him and I sort of challenged him, I said, so, you're saying we shouldn't be giving these people paracetamol because it's no better than placebo. If we're not giving them paracetamol, then they're not getting any treatment. 
um, of that of that field. Obviously, it's multimodal. We want to do other other actions. They're losing out on that eleven percent improvement. So so I was like, you know, what's the harm? And and you identify the safe level, and obviously, it's always a balance that you don't want to be doing anything that's going to institute harm. But I was like, we should be, you know, that's eleven percent improvement that we wouldn't be getting otherwise. Like, why are we writing that off? Why are we saying that's that's not useful? So, um. You know that's that's really what I what I want to dive into, and that's that's the placebo effect. It's it's really it's how powerful the mind can be to convince your body that a fake treatment is a real thing, and and it can stimulate healing. It can have effects, you know, more than just uh, you know measurable effects, which is which is which is mental. So you can actually there's been studies where they've found you know obviously most of the time we're talking about uh, perception, so we're talking about things that are are perceivable. So quality of life scores, um, pain, uh, other sort of perceived symptoms. So nausea, anything that that isn't necessarily measurable. So we're not using placebo to shrink people's cancers and we're not using placebo to mend people's legs and that sort of stuff. But anything where there's some subjective component, um, activating that positive um, attribute of the mind can be a real component to the way we deliver healthcare. And and what I've found is, as I've gotten uh, further through um, I would say my experience in, in the medical field, but I guess also my experience in life is realizing there's so much more than, than just, you know, what comes in a box or what comes out of a pill packet. And there's so much more to our overall health than just one thing. Everything is so complex and, and, and intricate. And the power of the, of the mind just continues to amaze me. Like, and you can just see it. The more you observe other people in society, you see how important that is. And, and, um, and yeah, I guess it, it's just really important to share that you know, the placebo effect is not the same as not working. That's just finding a way to unlock our ability to, to you know, initiate our own healing, our own improvement, our own better health and wellness. Like, I guess that's my little, my little rant about placebos and why we should be trying to use them. Absolutely. You know, it's also, you know, evidence that when someone's taking a placebo, they are doing something that feels like something to make themselves better. And we hear this anecdotally with clients all the time, you know, they'll say, oh, you know, when I called up and booked my therapy appointment, I actually felt better. <laughs> or like, I, you know, knowing that I had a therapy appointment coming up, I actually felt better this week. So sometimes it's just, you know, this idea that, well, I'm doing something active um, that is, you know, making me better, that's going to help me, that's going to improve me. So that's interesting too. Yeah, I mean, there's a few things that I, I read on this same thing as well. One, one while we've sort of been on COVID stuff is the COVID vaccines. Uh, in the clinical trials, the people who took, especially the first dose of the vaccines, experienced the same, almost the same rate of side effects as those who actually got the vaccine. So the placebo who got fatigue and headaches and one of the other um, sort of subjective things there they were, they were almost equally as likely to experience that as the people who actually got the vaccine. So almost person to person, equal likelihood. The next thing that so I... That, that, yeah. that one, that one's actually... Uh, so that's the placebo's evil twin. So that's called the nocebo effect. And that's Latin for uh, does cause harm or, sh or shall cause harm. Uh, and essentially, that's a well-known uh, uh, phenomena. So often in the placebo arm of many treatments, people get a reasonable percentage of those adverse side effects. And that's why you'll find a lot of the uh, safety lists for any medication and treatment will list those common symptoms because lots of people get them irrespective of what they're taking. And so, yeah, the nocebo effect, 
just as powerful. So the the power of a, a negative mindset is is just as strong. And that's and that I guess that's another thing to realize how important that that positive is because it's not only improving from baseline it's like your mind can actually cause negative things to happen so you can actually get that magnitude of difference through through uh you know doing a holistic treatment approach yeah well it's like the power of expectation right like what are you expecting the outcome to be here and you almost like invite yourself in to experience that um which you know is what we see a lot of people who are depressed you know have this outlook of things are horrible the future is bleak everybody hates me and that type of mindset that rolls out you know in their waking hours ends up manifesting because they it's, cut themselves off from their friends and family they don't go out and do anything that makes them feel good that connects them to others yeah, it's and like a wheel it's a, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy right yeah, yeah. That's so what I was going to say. <laughs> so then the other things, before maybe we dive into like what are some strategies, then the other two things I wanted to mention were the studies or they were around, one was around a back surgery, which we've spoken about previously around back pain. It was a, Craig, you might, what was the vertebroplasty? Vertebroplasty. So it's not something that, uh, yes, it's not a common thing that we would use, but I assume you're going to tell us why when you explain this. Uh, this well, essentially the doctor had found that, you know, People were, even if the surgery went bad, essentially, or they thought the surgery wasn't going well, people would report back and say how much better their backs are. And so what he decided to do was go, well, you know what, I'm only going to operate on half the people. And he sort of was doing a fake surgery on half the people. And there were stories of someone who went in there, got the placebo, they make it seem like they've got the surgery, they come back a week later and they're like, you know what, I'm back playing golf, I've never felt so good, blah, blah, blah never got the surgery and then there's one there was one in finland as well around knee arthroscopies again prepping people up for surgery not actually doing the surgery and going my knee's amazing it's so good and then the other one that i read was um around migraines and it was people were given um you know like a tablet for their migraine whatever it might be i don't know what it would be then they were given they were literally given nothing so they got nothing and then the other group were literally given a pill which was called placebo they actually got the placebo pill and they still elicited equal like a really good benefit from simply taking i'm guessing a sugar pill you know yeah so I think, it's I think really I, interesting i read that one as well so yeah the ones that knew they were taking the placebo still had a 50 percent improvement so not as good as the active treatment but still 50 percent more than just doing nothing so even though they knew there was nothing active like even though that it wasn't blinded which is often what we talk about in these studies they they still had it I've got a little summary here that talks about like a, a way of summarizing the placebo effect, just so we can sort of, uh, I guess, break that um, that uh, the premise that it means nothing. It means not effective. So, you know, this is a quote from a, um, a professor Crum who, who ran a study and, and is actually pushing the emphasis that clinicians use this as one of their tools in their tool belt. So rather than only reaching for the script pad and, um, and rather than, than that actually working around trying to elicit the, the body's ability to, to improve itself. So, uh, and this was the quote from, from Crum, and it was, you know, the placebo effect isn't some mysterious response to a sugar pill. It's a robust and measurable effect of three components. The, the body's natural ability to heal, the patient mindset, and the social context. When we start to see the placebo effect for what it really is, we can stop discounting it as medically superfluous, and we can work to deliberately harness its underlying components to improve healthcare. Let's take a quick break. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? 
And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. So with that in mind, talking placebo, what is the best guess of why the mind is so powerful in regards to making someone feel better? What, what, what have we got there? Just the biggest question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to make it any smaller than that. I, there's probably Maybe there's a better, more eloquent way to ask that question. But <laughs> I just think, you know, like our mind is our only window to the world. Like, of course, I'm going to say it. I'm a psychologist. But, you know, everything gets filtered. Everything that we experience get, gets filtered through our mind. And I think that, you know, we're at a strange place. We've got, you know, neuropsychologists, um, neurologists doing all this research on the brain. Um, and we, you sort of, we're finding things out all the time. However, the brain is such a huge mystery and it continues to be. Um, there's part of us that really wants to understand exactly how all these things can be true and can happen. And, you know, we're finding new things here and there that surprise us. I mean, like when the whole um, concept of mirror neurons came out, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but the fact that, you know, you can watch someone do something and that part the same neurons that are lighting up for them as when they're doing it light up for you. Oh, wow. It's kind of how we can learn, um, learn by observation, but it's also a key component in empathy. So we're thinking, well, I can see you going through something. Therefore there's parts of my brain that are literally almost feeling at the same time, like congruously with you. So, you know, there's so much in that question. <laughs> um, I think one thing as well, which is, you know, what they said regarding that study you mentioned where people are taking placebos that they know are placebos. It's almost this um, idea of like having a healthy ritual in our lives. And like, I think one of the the writers of that study said, said something like um, engaging in the ritual of healthy living, things like eating right, exercising, yoga, social time, meditating, um, probably provide some of the key ingredients of a placebo effect as well. So when we're engaging in these practices that, you know, we all know, I think, you know, once we grow up, most of us are pretty familiar with the things that we know are good for us. And when we adopt those practices and behaviours in our lives, then we're not only doing things that are, I guess, scientifically good for us, but also knowing that we're in our minds doing something to help us live a rich and full and healthy life. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So I like when I've had so I've had mental health issues myself and and one of the things that I've identified when when things are on track and it seems like such a small thing is I floss my teeth every day. So it's it's one of those little rituals where it's you know whether you're taking a pill or whether you're doing something that you have some agency over your own life it's like you know I'm able to be you know this one thing that takes like a minute that you know is easy enough that when you're in a bit of a rut you brush it off and you know, those self-care things fall away, but actually doing something for yourself has a lot of power to, to give you that, um, you know, that, that uh, positive inertia. So rather than that, you know, self-fulfilling negative prophecy, you start to get some positive inertia of, oh, I'm doing this one little thing for myself. So, you know, I'm taking this pill, even though it says placebo. So, you know, maybe I'll also, 
cut down on smoking or maybe I'll also make some healthier food decisions or do that yoga. Like those, it's, it's the willingness to accept some treatment, accept some help. It gives that, it gives that self-efficacy, I guess, to, to people to show that they have some agency over their own outcome. Like, mm-hmm. and I assume you see that a lot as well. It's the old, like, you know, how many, how many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb? None. The light bulb has to want to change itself. So it's, it's empowering people to improve. It's empowering people to move forward. You can use that one as well. If you'd like Thank that. you. You know, like, I mean, self-efficacy is just a, a, a central ingredient to us being alive as human beings. And like, Craig, I know you've got little ones. I've got a 10-month-old baby myself. I can see that as he's coming into his own, he wants to do things for himself like they really start to go i'm going to do this i'm going to do this whether or not you want them to do it is another question however it gets worse it gets worse (laughs) thank you for the pre-warning he's already pulled out all the dirt from the pot plants at home so i'm easing into it um however you just see how they learn that you know being their own person is a part of who they are and that's something that they want to to be able to have the freedom to do so, I mean, you've, you've touched on a few things of, I suppose, some strategies, but let, let's dive into that a little bit more. Rather than going, pretending to get a surgery or taking a pill that says placebo, what else are things we can do to sort of take control of our mindset a little bit to, to get ourselves moving in the right direction if we're, you know, maybe for everybody or maybe, you know, like just, just to improve our daily habits? What, what are some things that, that could be recommended to people? Well, How do we unlock the power of the mind? I am on the Bro Science podcast. Where I thought you guys would probably be pretty down with a lot of the um, the, the f- philosophies and strategies that were sold by the Stoics back in ancient Greek, um, in Greek ancient Greece. Sorry, and it's interesting. You know, these guys were alive <laughs> thousands of years ago. However, a lot of a lot of the um, fundamentals of their ways of thinking, their ways ways of existing, and now you know, have now been introduced into therapeutic practice, things like cognitive behavioral therapy. It takes a lot from the Stoics and the practices that they um, they practiced um, on a regular basis. So, I mean, one of, um, you know, it, I, guess, I guess it does depend also on where you're sitting in terms of the mental health spectrum, course, yeah. because I'm not going to say that these are things that you should start to do if you're, you know, sitting with, you know, moderate to severe depression, like go and see someone, go and get some help and support. However, um, things like, you know, one of my favorites is that a negative visualization where we imagine something for a moment happening that is not great. Like some something that's in our life now that's making our life good. We take just a moment out to imagine, okay, well, what if I didn't have that? Or what if that, you know, what if tomorrow I woke up and I lost my job and I couldn't do my work anymore? What if my partner was to pass away all of a sudden? And you get almost like a mindset shift within a couple of seconds of doing one of these visualizations, you suddenly look at things in your world in a totally different way, you know, imagining that they weren't there. And the Stoics were a huge fan of this practice. Would that um, be looking in a, in a more positive way or more negative way? I feel like if I thought those things, everything afterwards would look more negative. No, so not at all, because you end up then looking at what you've got existing <laughs> in your life at, in the moment and go, wow, I'm so grateful to have this. You know, like, what if my, you know, my partner was to die all of a sudden this afternoon? Oh, well, I'm so glad that they're here and I have time with them. I can be with them. So um, interestingly, one of the sort of the stoic 
um, professors that I was listening to recently kind of called this almost like um, a psychological inoculation. Like you're giving yourself a little dose of negativity, I suppose, when you're thinking about, you know, bad outcomes and negative outcomes. So that you, in order for your body to learn how to build up resilience um, and understand, you know, what you have in your life, the things that you can embrace in your life, how to practice things like gratitude, which is something else that we can talk about that has really positive outcomes too to mental health and well-being. One thing there that you've just touched on is that idea of resilience. And I suppose that idea of you said, like maybe looking at something a bit negative, how important do you think it is to do things that you aren't so great at, you know? So like to develop a new skill, to do things that are hard, you know, maybe going out to do a hard workout, going out to learn a new skill. How, how important do you think it is to, to do those things continually through your life, to develop that resilience, to develop that positive mindset, um, you know, moving forward? Yeah, well, I think it goes back to what Craig said to do with self-efficacy. You know, one thing that we've learned about the, the brain in only sort of recent decades is we used to think that once the brain finishes developing, say, in our early 20s, that we're done, like our brains are done, they're good by then. However, we've learned that our brains are continuously capable of making new connections, of learning new things. Um, and so we should be constantly challenging um, ourselves with different hobbies, different practices, um, particularly hard things. Like I definitely think that one of my, you know, when I was um, going through it with sort of depression and anxiety, my partner was like, you should go to the gym. And I was like, I've never been to the gym. I don't want to go to the gym. I don't own a pair of sneakers. It's never going to happen. <laughs> I was so anti this. However, he's like, you know, it's good for your mental health, right? And I was like, no. Anyway, <laughs> it didn't take that much convincing. I ended up going to the gym and starting to train quite regularly. And within about, I would say within three months, I had like turned a, a corner and it was just because I was learning to do things just a little bit at a time, was recognizing, hey, I'm improving. I think that there's also got to be, I haven't read studies on this, but a correlation between getting strong in the body and feeling more strength and resilience within your mind. Mm -hmm. You recognize, wow, strength is something that I can build. It's not something that I need to be born with, something that I need to have in my personality repertoire. This is something that I can apply myself to and therefore improve. And so now, you know, fast forward, however many years later, I'm a, a bar and fitness instructor, you know, like I do that as well. And because I can't deny how important it is to take care of our bodies as well as taking care of our minds. That, that, that touches on a few really interesting things. So one exercise is as effective as a uh, antidepressant in uh, mild to moderate uh, depression. So exercise itself is an awesome thing. And that's why we push uh, exercise as medicine here on the Bro Science podcast. The other thing you sort of spoke about is it's something that, um, you know, our recent episode that we recorded, Trav, we're talking about our old mate Joe Rogan, something Joe always talks about is, is, is seek out something difficult, be disciplined. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how he's, he's achieved well in his life because of his experience in, in martial arts. And it's that concept of you find something and you, you, you are able to get out of, like release your ego to be willing to, to be bad at something. And this is a big thing of stoicism as well, is accepting vulnerability to be the worst in the room at something. But showing up every day on the mat or showing up every day at the gym to work at improving yourself. And, and I think that concept of self-improvement and, and obviously, you know, strength of the body and mind can all, all link in. But it's that idea that you you have the ability to improve. So it doesn't matter where you are, um, what, 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 part, what point you find yourself in life, you know, what obstacles are in front of you. It's this understanding that you have the ability to improve. You know, not everyone is, is born gifted in 
in all sorts of things. Uh, but but if you actually dedicate the time and energy to certain things, you can you can become amazing. You know, people aren't born. Uh, you know, most people aren't born as as experts at at a musical instrument or experts at this or that or you know something. Uh, I guess we can probably relate to as well. Ash is uh, with your your music. So I, I recently sort of took up a bit of singing, and I never really bought into. Uh, the, I thought singing was just an inherent talent and I didn't think it was something that could really be taught or trained. And I went off and did uh, four weeks of, um, of music lessons and, uh, you know, objectively, not over, only in myself, but from other people, I was like, oh, wow, your, your, your voice has actually improved. I was like, wow, I didn't realize that was a thing. I thought you were either a good singer or you weren't. So just understanding that a lot of our, our, uh, a lot of our, our, our abilities aren't inherent. They're, they're stuff that we can develop. And that goes... That goes to the physical world. That goes to the mental world. Like it, it all sort of, sort of comes together. And, and I guess, you know, coming back to we're talking about optimism, but at the same time, you know, it's okay not to be okay. Like at times you will find that you need to just bring it back to really simple stuff. And maybe it's as simple as getting to the gym. Maybe it's as simple as flossing your teeth. Um, you know, just, just finding those little positive, positive things to move you in the right direction. I think that's a really big part of unlocking, you know, the mind's potential. I think that, you know, you just mentioned it's okay not to be okay. And I think that the thing that a lot of people carry with them when they're not okay is this sense of shame, this internalized sense of shame. I should have my shit together. I should know what I'm doing right now. I shouldn't be feeling so emotional about this. I shouldn't be so impacted by this. And and a lot of that is scary for people to show, particularly in our society, men, unfortunately. Like, basically, men have probably been conditioned from a really young age. Like, no one wants to see that. You don't put that on display. You shouldn't talk about that with others. However, again, what we've learned from research is that, um, you know, not not having anyone that we can talk to about when we feel this way, it just makes the things that we're going through worse. It makes the emotional experience almost like multiply out of control. So you're not only carrying, you know, maybe feelings of grief, of loss, of disconnection. You're also carrying these feelings of guilt, of shame. I am not enough. I can't be enough. And that ends up being so much to carry. You know, it's like you're carrying mountains with that shit, you know. So when you can learn to be vulnerable, when you can learn to have a conversation with a close friend, with a partner, with a therapist, just someone with a PT, like um, how I know a lot of people that I know, like, you know, the only person I talked about my this sort of stuff is my personal trainer. They're always there to listen to me and to hear me out and they make me feel really seen. So I think that's a really powerful position when you can feel open enough to share yourself with someone, but also when you can be someone who someone else feels comfortable enough to be open with too. It's so important, especially at this time, like where, where lots of us are stuck inside, we're losing those social connections. So actually understanding and realizing how important those discussions are. And even, you know, having an hour a week to sit down and chat with Trav to talk to interesting people. Like I've found that a, a real blessing myself, you know, we're not able to use those, you know, I, I used to, you know, play sport and, and get to the gym and a lot of those things have been restricted, but actually being able to get out and chat to people, it makes a difference. It gives you something to look forward to. And, you know, it's definitely a message that we need to, to spread out to people that, you know, have a chat. And, and again, it comes back to what, we, what we've talked about before, Trav. Like, I, I feel like PTs can have a bigger impact than GPs in, in health because of the way they can motivate, motivate people to exercise. And it's not just a physical body thing. It's also being there to sort of help people with their minds and maybe, you know, um, we've got another episode that will hopefully come out soon talking about where we can direct 
uh, where we can direct clients from the PT space, whether it's to people like Ash to get some some support, or you know, to other to other disciplines to get to get help with physical issues. But you know, understanding the importance of mind and connection and and socialization and all that stuff, it it's just so crucial and 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 something that we we've lost a little bit in this recent uh, COVID times. Uh, we've had to find new ways to do it. Yeah, I, I think that another role that PTs can play in terms of mental health is like a, a very hot topic at the moment is talking about the stress cycle, for example, and understanding ways that we can complete the stress cycle. So there's so much in our uh, current environment, in our lives that uh, sort of switches on the stress response, um, which you may have discussed in other episodes, but, you know, that sort of fight or flight response mm-hmm. in our bodies and minds, got heaps of physiological symptoms. So our hearts are racing, maybe we get sweaty palms, tension, our, our breathing becomes shallow. Sometimes we're in these states for, you know, days on end, we're feeling constantly really wound up and we don't know how to get out of this. And sometimes it's, you know, like if we've got a stressor that we can't fix, say a global pandemic, it's not like a switch that you can just turn off or a job that you can finish at work, you know, or you're like, you've got young kids in your family. It's not like, oh, well, you know, they're not going to be young, you know, tomorrow. (laughs) They're still going to be here. I'm still going to have to look after them. So how do you tell your body, you know what, you can, you can turn off that stress response. And a bunch of the research points to get, get out and move your body. Like literally, if you were, if, the, if it was 200,000 years ago, we were living in states where we were running away from a tiger, you'd be running, you know, your heart would be racing, your body would be pumping. And then your mind, when you stop running goes, actually, we're good. Like, mm. if you're not eaten, you've survived whatever that was. So it's going to be all right. Wow. So I think definitely, you know, that's a, a really important thing that can happen for people, um, for their both mental and physical well-being. So, so we've got a couple of minutes with you left before you've got to, got to run off and, and get back to parenting and all that good stuff. A couple of things that I've always mentioned on a few podcasts in the past, um, Craig mentioned there about social connections. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this one, Asha. Lost Connections by Johan Hari yes. is a great book for, for that. And uh, another one, I'll thank my man Joe for that one. Uh, Johan Hari, really good book there. The other thing you just touched on, which would be, you spoke about the roles that PTs can play. What... What would you say, so let's say as a personal trainer, where would, you know, we, we Craig mentioned that we, we'd recently done an episode around allied health. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm a personal trainer, I've got someone saying things to me, yeah. um, at, where, do, where would you put a line of like, hey, I'm not your therapist, go and talk to someone? Like, that's a hard question before we, <laughs> before we sign off on, but yeah. j- just a bit of advice maybe to a PT who uh, they often have to wear that therapist hat. For sure. You know, it's a it's a sticky place because I think a lot of us also feel quite, you know, unsure of how it's going to be received. Like, hey, dude, I think, you know, I can't help you here and you need to go and see someone. I think what needs to be, I guess, elicited from the client is like how much they're being impacted. Like how, how is their, you know, current life being impacted by what they're dealing with. Um, And that's hard to say too, because sometimes you can have really high functioning people with depression, really high functioning people with anxiety. In fact, there's a lot of them. Um, So 
I think, you know, you don't need, as a PT, you don't need to have all the answers. A lot of the time people just want to be listened to and that has an incredible therapeutic power. I can say as a therapist myself, you know, sometimes people just want to sit down and have someone to talk to that's going to listen to them, that's not going to try and peddle too much advice or tell them that they should have acted differently. So I think that's one of the most powerful gestures you can do. But I also think that Sometimes people also need to be supported in finding additional support and, and letting people know, you know, if you feel comfortable being vulnerable, if you've had your own experiences with therapy saying, you know, hey, you know, I did this and it was really useful to me or, um, you know, it's really easy now to go to your GP and have a chat with them about it and get your mental health care plans. You can get money off your sessions with therapists too, which is really great. So I think, you know, if you're recognizing in a client that they're carrying a lot with them, that they seem, you know, impacted and maybe week after week, they're coming back with the same problems that aren't being resolved, that that's the time for you to go, look, I reckon, you know, it might be useful for you to talk to someone who might be better at offering strategies and support through this. I'd say one, uh, I guess a couple of points I'd like to pass on before we have to sign off. Um, I guess one for, for trainers, I'd be, I'd be more worried about the, the ones that weren't getting there every week and the ones that you're finding were, you know, had, had been leading the pack and they're starting to fall back. And, and so, you know, the importance of exercise to keep people's, you know, mind and bodies healthy uh, cannot be understated. So in terms of the ones I'd be more worried about is if they're coming and chatting to you and you've got a good rapport, you know, you obviously you're, you're not, you're not their psychologist, but, but you know, that's good. You're, you're, you're delivering the treatment. You're getting them there. You're getting them moving. You're listening to them. You know, if you find someone really changes, someone's really dropping back They they used to be one of the strongest or be able to push themselves the hardest and they're struggling to push themselves. They're struggling to get there on time. They're struggling to show up. You know, those ones, those are the little flags that I would say someone's, you know, maybe no longer functioning with whatever's going on and they're starting to decompensate. So, so I guess from my own, my own perspective from a from a GP sense, those are the those are the warning signs that I'd want to trigger someone to get some some extra help. Um, regarding a few of the other things that we spoke about, when we talk about sort of placebos and, and being listened to, one of the concepts that we're often spoken to about in our training, we don't focus on a lot, but is the idea of the you know the clinician as the treatment, you know the doctor as the the doctor is the drug or the therapist is the drug. It's that concept of people do get better by by making that appointment. They do get better by just having that chat and, you know, sometimes that spending that extra time um, with someone who's struggling and, and in a GP scenario, you know, you've got a 15 minute appointment and then all of a sudden you're there for 45 minutes having a chat with someone and, and they're like, we'll come back and we'll, we'll really get going. The next time they come back, they're like, oh, it was so good just to get that off my chest and have someone to talk to. So, you know, that, that can be, it doesn't need to be the PT. It might be the, you know, the PT buddy, like just that connection, having someone to talk to talk to is so good so getting people exercising and and you know switching off that stress response you know even if you don't get to pt you know going for a walk sticking in the headphones listening to a good podcast there's you know i, I know a pretty good one out there so um you know tune into bro science when you're going for a stroll good for the mind and the body uh but that's a little bit of shameless self self-promotion <laughs> so ash before we let you go um, if people want to reach out to you or, you know, if you want people to reach out to you, if you want to give yourself a plug, here's your, here's your chance. Uh, if people want to get in touch and see what you're doing and what you're about, what, what would be the best way? 
Yeah, so you can hit me up. Um, I'm pretty active on Instagram. So if you want sort of motivational messages on the reg, you can find me there. My, I'm, my handle is just at Ash King or just jump over to my website. At the moment, I've been super busy doing um, workshops, facilitating courses for small businesses and big businesses alike. So it's really great to see so many people getting behind mental health and trying to support their teams, um, particularly during this really talent challenging time. And the website is? Is ashking.com.au. Easy. It sounds like it'd be a, a hard one to get, actually. Ash King seems like a sort of like trendy name that, that lots of people would have, funnily enough. I think seems like can, an actor's name. I can <laughs> confirm that it is her real name and it has been her real name throughout this time. So it's not a stage name. It's not. It's also a pop singer in India. So him and I often <laughs> go head to head. You get, you get a few <laughs> confusing, uh, you know, Twitter threads or something like that that come yeah. through from looking for some kind of a Bollywood singer. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Well, Ash. I get, I, I'm going to say this is definitely not going to be the last time we're here from Ash on, on Bro Science. We'll definitely get you back. There's a lot, of, a lot of little doorways that we open during our chat that we'd love to dive in deeper. So, No, that'd um, be great. So yeah. keen to keep chatting about all this stuff. It's good stuff. So thanks for doing what you're doing. Love it. Thanks, thanks for your time, Ash. Craig, again, thank you very much. Hope you guys have uh, enjoyed this episode of Bro Science and we'll, we'll get you on the next one. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening. If you liked this show, share it with your friends, subscribe on iTunes, and leave us a five-star review. For show notes and free training on how to grow your fitness business, visit www.fitnesseducationonline.com.au. Are you a fitness professional looking to provide your clients with personalized meal plans? Check out Mealsy, the ultimate solution for creating custom meal plans in just a few simple clicks. With Mealsy, you can say goodbye to countless hours spent on meal planning. Our Australian meal planning web app is designed to save you time and effort so you can focus on what really matters, your clients and their success. Mealsy provides you with a vast library of recipes all created by nutrition professionals. From breakfast to dinner and everything in between, we've got you covered. Whether you want to create a custom meal plan tailored to your client's needs or choose from our selection of ready-made meal plans, Mealsy has the flexibility to accommodate your preferences. So why waste precious time and energy creating meal plans from scratch? Let Mealsy do the heavy lifting for you while you focus on delivering exceptional fitness services. Join the community of fitness professionals who have revolutionized their business with Mealsy. Visit our website at www.mealsy.com and sign up today. Mealsy, the smarter way to meal plan for fitness professionals.